Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. That's on page 885 in the Bibles in front of you. We're in a little two-week mini-series here. I guess this qualifies as a series. Two weeks, right? At the end of Luke's Gospel, looking at what happened after Easter as Jesus appeared to his disciples, as he met with them, as he restored them, as he commissioned them. And now we'll see this week that he is leaving them as he ascends into heaven. And so we are looking at Luke 24, verses 50 through 53 this morning. Hear now the word of our Lord. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. This is the word of our God. Please pray with me. God, we thank you this morning that we have seen and been reminded of the gospel, of our sins washed away, of the visible picture of baptism, that we are united to Christ by faith, and we rejoice and give thanks in that. We pray now that through your word, that your spirit would again turn our hearts and our eyes and our ears and our minds toward Christ, that we would hear the words of our Savior, that we would delight in worshiping and praising and adoring you for all that you have done for us. So help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed. Or as they say around these parts, blessed. When you hear, when you hear the word, what do you think of? What comes to mind? So I, I did something this week, and you can do this too if you want to, to confirm But did you know if you put the word blessed in the search bar on Hobby Lobby's website, 160 items will come up. Welcome mats, coffee mugs, artwork, it's all there. Bless this nest. I bet some of y'all have that one. Blessed, not stressed. Blessed and cat obsessed. I hope not. There's even a devotional book, Biscuits, Butter, and Blessings. I might have to read that one. In our few short verses here at the end of Luke 24, we see this word blessed or blessing three times. As Jesus blesses his followers on his way up to heaven, as he ascends, and the people respond in worship by blessing God. Last week... We talked about how the disciples were in a state of fear and doubt. They were huddled together in a locked room because they were concerned about what might happen to them. But they began to hear news of the resurrection, and then Jesus shows up in their midst, addressing their doubts and fears, 
and revealing to them his nail-scarred hands and calling them to believe and to proclaim the good news of the resurrection of Christ to all nations as they are empowered by the coming Holy Spirit. And so now, sometime after this, Jesus leads them out and he prepares to ascend into heaven. And as he ascends, it says, he blesses them. And so today we want to talk about that. What, what are those blessings? So we're going to look at just two points today. The first point is this, that the ascended Christ, he blesses his people. And then the second point will be eventually that the blessed people respond to Christ. So first, the ascended Christ, he blesses his people. When we say the Apostles' Creed, which we do here regularly, one of the things that we say is that he, Jesus, ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. After Jesus rose from the grave, he spent intentional time with his disciples. He appeared to them. He restored them. He taught them. He commissioned them. But his intention ultimately was to leave, was to depart and ascend to his Father, and therefore from there to send his Spirit, and that through the Spirit he would be with them and his church. The ascension marks the end of Jesus' earthly ministry and the accomplishment of his mission. It also marks the beginning of another ministry, his heavenly ministry to us. Why is this ascension important? What blessings come from Jesus leaving his disciples to ascend to heaven? Well, today we're going to look at several of those blessings. We're going to look at why this is important and one of, the, one of the blessings that comes from Jesus' ascension, firstly, is this, that Jesus ascends to be seated at the right hand of the Father. In John chapter 20, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, and he says to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but, I, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. The blessing of Jesus ascending to the Father is that he's going to be reunited with his Father, having accomplished the work that the Father sent him here to do, and that he takes his rightful place at his right hand. And because Jesus has accomplished the work of salvation on our behalf, it's complete, it's finished. He has risen from the dead and has shown himself alive, and now he ascends to be seated. He predicted this in Luke 22, prior to his death. He told the chief priests and the scribes who had put him on trial, but from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. The book of Hebrews has this phrase often. Hebrews 1, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 10, 12, but when Christ had offered for all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 12, 2, we are to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, the fact that he has sat down means that your salvation and my salvation is accomplished it is secure. It is finished. It is complete. 
your sins are forgiven. You can now, because of the work of Christ the Son on your behalf, call God your Father. This is indeed a blessing that we have been saved by the work of Christ. That he gave himself for us. He offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins upon the cross. Satisfying the righteous wrath of God. Dying and rising again. And now he has ascended. And he is seated for you. But him being seated does not mean he is idle. It does not mean he has discontinued his ministry toward us. So firstly, we saw Jesus, he ascends to be seated. But also we're going to see that another blessing is that Jesus ascends to intercede for us as our great high priest. Sometimes you may have come home from a full day of work, or maybe it's been a full day around the house, parents chasing kids around, kids, maybe you're chasing your parents around, and it's been a big day, and you just want to sit, right? You want to be seated, preferably in the recliner, feet up, and you really want to do nothing, all right? Everybody there? That's me later this afternoon, hopefully, right? But that's not how it is with Christ. He is seated so that he can intercede for us. He continues to minister to us. Hebrews 7, 25 says that he always lives to make intercession for us. Romans 8, 34 says, Who is to condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In the Old Testament, the priest would intercede for the people. He would represent the people before God, offering up sacrifices and prayers to God. They would go between the people and God. Jesus is our great high priest. If you think about in the Old Testament, You had God, who is holy, holy, holy. You had man who is sinful and cannot approach God. And there had to be someone to intercede. And so there was a great high priest. There was a high priest appointed by God. There was the sacrifices that were offered so that man could worship God. And Jesus comes and he is all of those things. That he is God who became man, who is our great high priest, and who offered himself as a sacrifice one time for all of our sins. And he continues to intercede for us. The book of Hebrews tells us that we're to approach the throne of grace with confidence, to receive mercy and find grace in time of need because our great high priest has ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. Seems like this is a good time to ask a question. And that's this. How do you feel about approaching God? Do you feel distant from him? Do you hesitate to approach him in prayer or in worship? Have you put up a barrier of sorts? Let me read these passages from Hebrews. It says in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, we read this in our scripture reading 
Since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then later in Hebrews 7, after talking about the permanent priesthood that Jesus has, it says in verse 25, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. You know what's in those, both of those passages? It's this phrase, draw near. Draw near to God. Christ died and rose and ascended for you to draw near to God through him. He has blessed you in that way. John Calvin and others note that in our Luke passage, that Jesus blessing his disciples as he ascends is him exercising his priestly office. One commentator said, as Aaron, who is the priest with Moses, lifted up his hands towards the people of Israel and blessed them when he first offered the offerings for them. So Christ, as the great high priest, having offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the people, lifted up his hand toward them and blessed them in an authoritative way. In the scriptures, um, among other things, we see that Jesus, he is our prophet, priest, and king. Last week, we saw Jesus exercising his prophetic office. He interpreted the word of God to the disciples. Now we see his priestly work on our behalf, that he always lives to intercede for us. Yet he is also our king, which is another blessing of his ascension. So, so far we've seen the one blessing of the ascension is that he ascended to sit down. Second blessing was that uh, he ascended so that he can intercede for us as our great high priest. And now Jesus ascends to reign and rule as our king and head of the church who will return to judge. Days earlier prior to this, Jesus had worn a crown of thorns. He had been mocked as king of the Jews. But now here he is. He has risen, he has ascended on high to reign as our king. And as our king, he rules and reigns over his kingdom. And one day he will return to judge and to deliver and to bring us with him. It's interesting to hold up together the priestly and kingly offices of Jesus side by side and consider that through Jesus, our great high priest, we are invited to draw near, that he intercedes for us, that we have full access to the throne of grace through him. Yet as we do that, we are becoming before the king and judge of the universe. And he rules and he reigns. And he fights for his people. And that's us. There's so many passages that talk about his rule and reign. Here's a couple. Colossians 1, 16 through 18. For by him... That's Christ. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, 
the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And in Ephesians 3, Paul prays that the Ephesians would know this, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What a blessing it is that Jesus has ascended to rule and to reign, that in him all things hold together. All things are under his feet. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel very together. Life can be somewhat overwhelming, and some of that's due to our own making, right? We make it that way. But some of it's just life just gets hard, it gets difficult. And if I'm out there on my own trying to make sense of things and trying to hold it together and trying to be my own king, let's just say it's not going to go very well. But friends, we, we have a king. And we need to trust him. If he is above all rulers and authorities and thrones and dominions and powers, he can take care of you too. He is sovereign. He is good. He loves us. He has a kingdom that he has brought us into and made us citizens of. And he has called us to live life together as his people and work for the spread of his kingdom and his church now as we await his return where he will usher us into his everlasting kingdom. We have a king who bestows blessings upon his people. William Hendrickson, um, he's a commentator who's done a lot of great work on the scriptures. He says that this, if then Jesus departed while blessing his disciples, and if he is coming again with blessing for his church, does it not follow that even now, during the intervening period, that's us, right? That he delights in being for his people a source of blessing. So Jesus has ascended to sit down. He's ascended to intercede. He has ascended to reign and rule as our king. And finally, he has ascended to send the blessing of his Holy Spirit. And so we saw that last week, that they were told uh, to wait, that they would be clothed with power from on high. And so that is coming, of course, as the scriptures go on in Acts chapter 2. Jesus had promised that he would be with us always to the very end of the age. In John 14 through 17, in the upper room, Jesus talked in depth about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And now, as he departs his disciples, he's actually leaving and departing and ascending into heaven so he can be with them. I know that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Isn't he leaving? But no, he's sending his Holy Spirit to come and to dwell in his people. We mentioned last week that the Holy Spirit comes to comfort 
to counsel us, to convict us, to change us, to lead us to Christ. And it's by the power of the Spirit that the disciples will take up the mission of proclaiming the gospel and the good news of the kingdom, that we are to repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus for salvation and to take that to all nations. The Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in the believer, dwelling in us, drawing us to Christ, working in us that we would glorify God with our lives, that we would share the good news of the gospel with others. He has not left us to ourselves. He has not left us alone. He is with us. So how do we respond to all these blessings? What does that response look like for us, those who are blessed by God? So that's our second point today. What is the blessed response of God's people? So we do a little flashback to the previous passage. The disciples, they were locked in a room out of fear. They were filled with doubt, filled with skepticism. And now, a couple of weeks later, here they are witnessing the ascension of Christ into heaven and his blessing of them. Like, what do you do after that? How do you respond? Well, Luke's gospel ends where it began. It started in the temple. If you recall at Christmas time, during Advent, we, here we looked at the songs of Christmas. The ones by Elizabeth and Mary and Zechariah. And all the events that surrounded the coming of Christ and his birth. And now Luke's gospel ends with his people in the temple singing praises to Christ. They worshiped Christ. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy to await the coming of the Spirit. They blessed God continually in the temple. The response of the disciples and those who were with them was to worship Christ, the risen and ascended King. They also responded in obedience by returning to Jerusalem like Jesus has told them to, to prepare for the mission that he had given them to proclaim the good news and to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. This continual worship and obedience was accompanied with great joy. Is this not also the right response for us this day? As we consider the blessings that have come to us from Christ, continual regular worship is the response of his people. We can learn much from these few simple words at the end of Luke's gospel. The disciples had gone from doubting to believing to being blessed, and now they're blessing God and praising him. They had been freed from their earlier doubts about the risen Christ. They recognize him now as their Lord and their King. And what, is, what can they do? They worship. They worship Christ. The question perhaps we need to ask ourselves this morning is this. Is there, is there anything that's hindering us from worshiping the risen and ascended Christ? Your King has given you a standing invitation to be in his presence. He has made all the arrangements. He's accomplished everything necessary to save you through offering himself one time as a sacrifice for your sins. He intercedes for you to draw near. Having blessed you, he invites you to bless him in worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, the psalmist says. 
Let all this within me bless his holy name. So let us throw aside all hindrances and sin and whatever lies Satan is whispering to us. Let us fix our eyes on the one who made an end to all of our sin. Let us worship him. Let us forsake the idols that beckon for our attention and turn our eyes upon Jesus. Let us be filled with joy as we approach the king of kings. Because he's our king. He's our Lord. And he who has ascended will one day return to bring us all to our true home with him forever. Although they were continually in the temple, they did not stay there every waking moment of the day. They had returned to Jerusalem, and in obedience, they were waiting for the promised spirit to prepare for their mission. The sequel to Luke's gospel is the book of Acts. And if you go there and you read the sequel, which I encourage, you know, sometimes like in the movies, the sequels aren't as good as the original, but in the Bible, it's all good, right? But go read the sequel. You'll see that their continual worship led them to take up the mission that Jesus had called them to in the power of the Spirit to go to all nations with the gospel. And that's our response as well. We're part of the ongoing story. I don't know what number of sequel we are. I mean, we're in the year 2023, but we're part of that ongoing story. And it's our response that that we are to continually worship together and worship Christ and obey his great commission to us by the power of the Spirit to go into all nations and make disciples, to participate in the expansion of his kingdom and the building of his church, and to carry the joy of belonging to Christ into a world of despair, proclaim the hope that we have, to declare that salvation is in Christ alone, to announce to our neighbors and to the nations that there is blessing to be found in him. Let's pray and ask God to help us do that. Father, we thank you that you have called us to draw near and that Christ, our great high priest, has gone before us and that your spirit dwells within us and that we belong to you. Help us be those who worship and are continually blessing you because of all the blessings that you have poured upon us. Let us be those who obey your commandments and your commission to go and live out the gospel and to share the hope um, with those who don't know you. So we pray that you continue to help us, your church, And we give you the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.